Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. Uh, take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. We get excited about the word here because we know that's what can change us. Amen. That is, that's what can change us. Uh, it's amazing. We have the Holy Spirit. We have a God in heaven. And we have a, uh, the Father. And we have the Son beside him. And we have the Spirit with us. But we have the Word of God that we can carry. And, and God speaks to us through that. So that's why we go to this book every week. And uh, I, we actually believe this. We believe we can read it. And uh, by God's grace, by the help of the Holy Spirit, actually go live it. We believe it can change us. And so uh, and we're seeing that happen in our hearts and our lives and in this church. So uh, I'm going to read a few verses today. I've never uh, preached from these verses uh, uh, as far as um, from the pulpit. And I've read them, studied them, looked at them many times. And in 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll pick up in verse 12, um, because this is a little bit of an interesting passage uh, today. I, Paul is speaking, the writer of this book, Paul is speaking kind of hypothetically for, for a brief moment. Um, this is not one of those uh, passages that you could just take out and just read that and nothing else in the Bible and, and uh, just kind of build faith on that, because he's saying some things. That's why it's important that you read what's ahead of that and what's after that. It's powerful things. But I am going to do something. I'm going to pull out and look at something because I want to pose a question today, kind of as Paul speaks hypothetically about the resurrection of Jesus. And so he's saying some things, and we're going to start in verse 12. If you've got it, say amen. amen. That's enough for us to proceed. Verse 12 says this, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? This is cool. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then out of preaching, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And this is where he kind of says this. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Very interesting passage of Scripture. Um, Paul's talking about and saying some things, and he's making some statements today that I want us to kind of really hopefully dig into and grab hold of today. And that's this. If, if Christ is not resurrected, we're wasting our time. Yeah. This is all a scheme. This is all something some group of people came up with one day to kind of get together and see if they can rope people out of their money and, and, and see if they could get some type of big business going. And, so, and I, I, literally, this is what's sad. There are some people who think that's what church is. Some places possibly that may be what church is, but that's not what the church is. 
The church is a representation of Jesus Christ, the true church. The church is a representation that Jesus came and that he did forever settle the sin issue for each of us in this room who have trusted in that. And so today he's alive forever. So today we put our hope in that. We put our faith in that, that Jesus is alive. We put our hope in the fact that he overcame death for us. And because of that, we can overcome death as well. That's what we'll be talking about this morning. Man, give him a praise before we even pray. Go ahead. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Do this with me. Let's take a moment and thank him for what he's done. Thank him that he is alive. And this is what's amazing. He's hearing you right now. He hears your voice right now. And he loves it. He loves to hear you speak to him. So let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. And Lord, we celebrate today, Lord, new life. We celebrate resurrection, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that the grave's empty today. And Lord, we thank you, Father, Lord, that as believers in you, Lord, we overcome death because you overcame it for us, Lord. And so we celebrate that today. We celebrate each decision that's been made, all those that will be made, God. We just re- celebrate in that, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, because, Lord, we can overcome through you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Just high-five your neighbor real quick and just say, man, I love you. And now encourage them with these three words. Say, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, man. Let them know that. Jesus loves you. That's something I've been trying to say more of this year, and that's one of the things God's calling me to. I'd love for you to be a part of that uh, New Year's resolution that I made to tell more people about Jesus and that he loves them. So I encourage you to do that. Make an effort to let people know Jesus loves them. It's a, it's a powerful thing. But today I want to talk about overcoming death. And, uh, and death is one, of those, uh, it's one of those words that causes different reactions within people. Uh, death is one of those things that, that you'll typically see uh, if you've lost a loved one, and, and most people you know, have had someone close to them who's no longer on this earth. Uh, and, and if you've ever lost someone, you'll probably during that time have uh, experienced different various, uh, you know, maybe feelings and emotions during that time. There are t- sometimes that you can, you can maybe just, uh, if they're, you know, a believer in Christ, you can celebrate, but still your heart breaks. Because uh, that's a difficult thing. Um, one of the things that since I've been in ministry and the longer I'm there, I, I really do see that uh, death may be in a little bit different light than I used to. Uh, for, for me, if, if, I, if I as a pastor have someone in our church, uh, and, and we watch that person come to Christ, get in the water, follow Jesus. Uh, when they're no longer with us, it breaks your heart as a pastor. That person is no longer a part of, you know, what we're doing here. But also at the same time, that does something in my heart because I, I know they're finally experiencing what we're talking about. And, uh, and so for you, maybe today, if you've, if you've lost a loved one who, who died in Christ, uh, they're more alive today than they've ever been before. I mean, they're more alive than you are right now because today they're living and celebrating an eternity with a risen, resurrected God. And so I, I think sometimes when we talk about death, we think about it, we have a tendency to kind of pull and draw toward the negatives of those things. And, and again, it's, it's heartbreaking. Uh, even the thought of losing something someone that you love. It just literally breaks your heart to think about this. But the greatest tragedy, uh, tragedy is not dying too soon. The greatest tragedy is dying without Jesus. And I've heard those, and I actually say, you know, well, it was a tragic thing for this to happen and that happened, and, and it is. I'm not in any way lessening what that does and the blow that it does because I've experienced that, and, and it's difficult. 
But the greatest tragedy is not just leaving this earth. The greatest tragedy is leaving this earth without Jesus. And if you leave this church, this, this earth with Jesus, you have something that changed your life forever. And, that's, and then you walk into a place called eternity with God. And so and it's just an amazing thing. And so I want us today to, to do this, really come to the place to where we don't fear death in a sense. Uh, and, and there are many right now who may be just listening to my voice, maybe live streaming or, or maybe sitting in here today, that when you think about leaving this earth, that puts fear in you. That puts a tremble in, your, in you. And, and then somehow uh, to think about maybe I don't know Jesus or I haven't trusted in that. And um, I know there's some pastors that are, who will get up and try to say things to kind of make you feel better. But if you don't know Jesus, we should fear death. It's just the truth. We should. To think about the, the day that we will come and we're going to bow before a holy God one day. We'll bow before a holy God one day. And to, to just wrap your mind around that somehow, that, that there's nothing that we can do to be good enough to bow before him. Wow. There's nothing I can do to be good enough to bow before him. Pastoring this church does not make me good enough to bow before him. Putting something in the offering bag that came, it doesn't make me good enough. Not even coming to church, batting a thousand, man, in 2015. I'm going to show up every Sunday, be here. None of those things, they're all great. But listen, the only thing that can make me worthy to bow before this God is if I'm in Jesus. I'm in Christ. And if we're in Christ, we shouldn't fear those things. And so today, we shouldn't walk in fear of those things. And we're going to be celebrating today those who have overcome death. And baptism is a beautiful thing. It's, um, this is not today what uh, some people may view it as. is just a ritual. This is not just a ceremonial uh, act that we go through. I believe this. I believe it's supernatural. I believe it literally becomes supernatural because of this. It's obedience. It's obedience. Jesus says some things to us and asks us if, if we follow him, if we accept and trust in him, to be baptized. And so it's a powerful thing. It's not just a tradition. It is a natural act that we believe produces just supernatural results in our life. And so it's kind of like when you give, a natural act that you did when the offering bag come by, a natural act that you, when you put the, something in that, you put your tithe or offering there, it produces supernatural results to where, again, my guy kind of hit on that a little bit, the key. Uh, steps in and brings protection provision. That's his desire all along. But the natural act, the scripture says this, that, this, that the Lord comes in and, the, and God rebukes the devourer or the thief when we give. So a natural act. We pray. We lay hands upon people. We take anointing oil because the Bible talks about that. We pray the prayer of faith, things that we're doing in the natural that produces supernatural results. It's amazing some of the miracles that we've seen God do here because, again, we're trusting in it. And so it's what we're going to do today when we talk about baptism. It's an outward work of, of, to show what God did on the inside of us. And, and Colossians 2.12 says this, that we are buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead awesome. So getting wet doesn't save you. It's faith in Jesus Christ that saves you. But again, we identify with him through our baptism. I wear something on my finger and it's called a wedding ring. And, uh, and, and this wedding ring doesn't make me married. 
I mean, I, it, you, you could stop by a store, pick you out a nice, beautiful ring and put it on and, and go by and, and, and let everyone see your beautiful ring. But that does not make or mean that you're married because you wear a ring. If you don't wear a ring, that doesn't mean you're not married. Now, I encourage you guys, if the wife says wear it, put it on. <laughs> you know, do what she says, man. I'm trying to tell you, man. I'm trying to help a brother out. Do what she says and, and, and wear that thing with pride and just show everybody as you, as you wear your ring. But it's not. I'm wearing the ring because I made a covenant with my wife. Co- covenant with my wife. And I made that with her. And so because we're in covenant together, this is just a representation. It's an outward show of what happened to us on the inside. We became one. So today as we celebrate baptism, we're celebrating those who have come and made a decision and then they're going public with their faith and showing that. Jesus was baptized and he was baptized as an intercessory act for us to show us and to, to, to literally set the example that we should walk in. And so because he did that, we do that. He asked us if we're believers in him and trusted in him, we take the next step of faith and get baptized. It's why we're doing all these things. And it shows that this, it shows that we put away the old way of life and then we're raised forth in a newness of life, man. That song, man, all these things being made new in him. And so we celebrate that through baptism and we, we identify with Christ there. So I want us to today see some stuff. So do this, turn to Romans and just turn back just a little bit in your, in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. I want to read a few verses that kind of, again, just talk a little more about how powerful what all is happening today in our church and, and in, our, in our services. Romans 6, uh, verse 3, says this. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Man. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. That means that's rendered inoperative. And so you're like wondering, man, hold on, I still sin. Hold on, maybe that's, that's not me. No, it doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means that you're perfect in Christ. It means that your spirit man has been set in heavenly places in Christ. And so, again, this body is just something we're going to walk through and, again, deal with good and the bad until we get to spend eternity with him. Verse 7 says this, For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Because it has no dominion over him, it has no dominion over you today. And for the death uh, uh, that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but to live, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, man, think about these words today. Think about what this is saying. This is a beautiful picture today of what's happening in our lives and what we're seeing here. Uh, and we see in Scripture 
various instances, I mean, just throughout things, uh, the, the, of different stories of where people would come to Jesus, accept and trust in him, and then they would go get in the water and get baptized. And again, it's representation of that old man being gone and newness of life coming forth. We see a picture of that even in the Old Testament. I believe when it's, we look at the story of the children of Israel, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 1 and 2 in the Message Bible. I don't know if I gave you that, that in the Message Bible, but 1 Corinthians 10, 1 and 2 in the Message Bible says this. Remember our history, friends, and be warned. All of our ancestors were led by the providential cloud and taken miraculously through the sea. They went through the waters in a baptism like ours as Moses led them from everlasting death to salvation life. Now, come on, man. Now, th- this, is, this is huge. This is powerful. This is powerful. This is when the children of Israel come up, and they get the Red Sea, and they're looking at this, this big obstacle in front of their life. The enemy has been chasing them and had come up behind them. They got into a place of fear. If you know the story, it's, it's, it's awesome. I don't have time to go into all of it, man. But Moses takes up a staff, raises it up, and I, I, don't, I don't know if he it was, I don't know exactly how that went down. I don't know if he was like just bowed up chest or he he was just in fear, hoping that what God said would come to pass. We don't, we don't know. But either way, he did what God said, and the sea opened up. And, 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 just, and, and it was in that moment that Scripture says that they walked across on dry land. And look at the picture of what takes place here. The thing that was chasing them, their past, the thing that was literally sent to destroy them and defeat them and bring death into their life, the thing that was there to literally take them out. When, they, when the children of Israel walked through and walked out the other side, representation, again, we see a scripture of the baptism. We see this. We see the thing that was chasing them, their old man that passed, the thing that was sent to take them out, swallowed up in the water. We see that thing destroyed. We see death literally come upon the thing that was trying to sit to kill them and destroy them. This is amazing to think about. All of these things that are happening as we look at baptism. And again, it's a representation of this, that we identify with Christ. We identify with Christ. Now, what did Christ do? There's a few things that I want us to hit real quick, and there are three, and that we see and how we can identify with Christ through baptism. And we've sung about this already, and it's beautiful. The first thing is this. Jesus died. Jesus died. If you know the story, Jesus died a death by crucifixion. Death by crucifixion is, is the, the literally is, is excruciatingly painful. This is the worst way. This is a, basically torture of, of what you know, they would do to the most hardened and the worst of criminals. And Jesus was crucified. Prior to Jesus being crucified and placed upon a cross, he was beaten. And again, just... There's, there are movies that have tried to capture it and depict it. I, I think Passion of Christ has probably done it probably the closest, but probably still not to effect of what really took place. But Jesus was beaten beyond recognition. The Bible says that, that literally he took upon himself the sins of the world, that, that he for us in our place was beaten and bruised and tortured 
and whipped. He was stretched out around a post, and there was something called a cat of nine tails, which is the worst whip you can think of with nine extenders off of that. And on the end of each of those uh, extensions, there would maybe some type of stone or glass or something that literally would go into this, this, this back and the skin of our Lord. There are places that pull away from that story and kind of shy away from it, but I think we need to see how serious that is. You know why? Because that's what it took. Man, because here, here's the truth. We're some messed up folks. <laughs> Man, we're some messed up folks. And so for years they tried to do this. For years they would literally, that you would see, they would go and they would try to take a sacrifice of some sort of animal and go and sacrifice that animal in hopes that that would pardon them from their sin. And for a season and a period it would, but then the raft would come back. And so this is what had to take place. There had to be an ultimate sacrifice of something. Better yet, it had to be an ultimate sacrifice of someone. And it couldn't be us because we're sinful. It's an encouraging word today. All things new. No, we are. And we have to have someone to come and step in and take our place. And Jesus did that for us. Jesus, in our place for our sins, stepped in and became the ultimate sacrifice. I love what one pastor says that Jesus did this. He was the offerer and the offering and then turned right around and received what was being offered. Only our God can do that. Only Christ can do that. And so this is what he did. He came and he did this for us. He gave his life. He died for us. John 19, 32 says this. It says the soldiers came and they broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. If you know the story, Jesus was hung upon a cross. There were thieves that were placed upon both sides of him, and the soldiers would come up, and they would break the legs of those soldiers, and they would do it for this reason, because if they break the legs, they're no longer able to pull themselves up and grasp for just enough breath to keep surviving. Because of the day that this was, ceremonially, they wanted to go ahead and put an end to this. And so they would come and they would break the legs of those that were being crucified. Because Jesus was beaten so badly and had, had, had already, again, himself died in our place for our sins. And he gave his life. He said this. He said, no man takes it, but I freely lay it down. There's wars been started about who took Jesus' life. Nobody took it. Jesus gave it. And he gave it freely for us because he loves us. And so he gives his life and he lays it down. And the scripture says that Jesus gave up his spirit and he died for us. And verse 33 says this, But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers, just making sure, he said this. He says he pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. Wow. Jesus died. He went down. Story goes on, and it looks something like this. Jesus was buried. I love the fact that he didn't have to buy a grave plot. I love the part that he didn't have to go out to Graceland and pick something out. He'd have to go by to the nearest Jerusalem cemetery or none of these things. He'd have to go out into those things and pick him out of place. He barred one. 
We're going to need it long. So uh, uh, really, we're just borrowing ours um, when we have one. And because it's, you know, he, he just borrowed it. But we see in Scripture that literally he died. The chief priests and Pharisees, they asked Pilate to secure the tomb and to make sure. And so literally they placed Jesus inside the tomb. And the Scripture says they sealed it with this big boulder. There are some studies that would say literally that means they put mortar around it. Uh, there, there are some studies that say that that seal would mean this, that it would be a signet somehow of, of, of the one who was in charge. So if any way that that was tampered with, they would know it because they were fearful of this. They were fearful that maybe some of Jesus' disciples would come and bust him out and, and somehow break him out. And so they placed this and literally he did this. He was buried. He was taken. His physical body was buried and it was placed inside of that tomb. How do we identify with that? Because Jesus did this. He's, his death, he died in our place for our sin. He was buried in the same way that, listen, that he was buried for us. Our sin today, we heard it rendered inoperative. Our sin is buried. It is no longer, Scripture says this, it says in Psalm 103, 12, that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Come on, I don't know about you. I need your mind removed that far. And, and, and just sometimes we need to understand how powerful that our sin was buried. But pastor, I did this. Sitting here today, and you don't know, man, I've got this history. God, I would scare people in this room. They wouldn't even want to sit beside me right now if they knew. God's grace is greater than your greatest sin. His grace is greater than your greatest sin. And you may be here on the other end of the spectrum when you say, man, I come every week and I go to church, I do all this stuff. But listen, you can't be good enough either. You have to do this. You have to trust in Jesus. You have to believe in what he did. And Jesus did this. Jesus died. And Jesus is buried. But I'm thankful today that the story doesn't end there. I'm thankful today that he was resurrected. And on the third day, we see a scripture that on the third day, he came forth out of the grave. And this is the thing. This is the very decided factor that separates uh, him from any other person who claimed to be God. This is the deciding factor. This is the thing that separates everything. Lee Strubble said it this way. He said, anyone can claim to be God, but Jesus backed it up with the empty tomb. Anybody can claim that. You can get up today and claim that. But listen, only one who claimed it and then represented by walking out of the grave on the third day was Jesus. And we see the scripture, Matthew 28, verse 1 says this. It says that now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Remember that sealed stone? Rolled out of the way. That sealed stone, whether with mortar, whether with a signet ring, whether with a, doesn't matter. Everything that was stopping it and holding it and everything that was keeping him in removed and moved out of the way. And it, I, I think that's just pretty cool to me. I just, I just think it's cool that angel just sat on it. I don't know if he gave it one of them. I don't know. I just think it's a beautiful thing. Sat there showing that this thing is done. And verse 3 says this, His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing is white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. There's, 
there's a whole lot of different people talking, giving their opinions on what that actually looked like. I, I don't know. I don't. I just that's a pretty cool thing. As people talk about that was the first being slain in the spirit. They're from some people that that some say that man literally they just got so powerful. I don't know if maybe they was playing possum. I don't know. I, I kind of have a tendency maybe think to lean that direction for some reason, man. They like, dude, you see that? I ain't messing with that. And so either way, they're like dead men. Verse 5, but the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid. See it. That's why we're here. This is why he overcame death. When I said earlier, there's some of you that when I talk about death, it brings fear to you. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't, have to, it, don't have to, it doesn't have to stay that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. For he is risen. As he said, and come see the place where the Lord lay. And I love it in its beautifulness just to just settle it and to just make sure. Make sure. Come here and take a look. And you know that really is the only way that we can experience it? That's the only way. I can get up here and I could, I could just I could sit down like an angel on top of the stone and tell you he's not here, he's risen. He overcome death and you can too. And you can listen and you can look at me. Or you can step in and take a look for yourself. And we're celebrating this morning those who've stepped in and those who who have, who have, who have waited. Wait a minute. Let me step here and take a look. They've looked into the tomb for themselves and they see that it's empty. They looked for themselves and realized that they needed a resurrection themselves. They recognized that they were dead without him in their sins and that they had to have this Jesus. And so they stepped in. So I ask you today, have you stepped in? I want you to bow your heads and just close your eyes right where you're at. Right where you're at. If today you don't know, you don't know till when you leave this earth where you'll spend eternity. If you don't know that's in heaven, why not settle it today? Oh man. Why not settle it right now? Why why? Why put it off? You may not have tomorrow. We don't know. Why not settle it today? Why not even just join in the decision that those who are getting ready to step into this water today, that we're going to celebrate them overcoming death? Why not make that decision right now? I'm not talking about that you, you went to VBS or you did a little something or whatever. Not. I'm asking this, are you following Jesus? When I ask the question, do you know where you'll spend eternity? If you say, I don't know. He says we can know. He says we believe in our heart. We confess in our mouth that he's Lord. And we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. We trust this message that I've spoken today. You believe in that so much that you follow him. It can be settled for you today. But right now, you'll just be honest and be real. You say, Terry, I, I don't know where I would spend eternity. 
I'm talking to every first-time guest. I'm talking to every member of this church and everyone in between, from the youngest to the oldest. If you don't know, you can know today. And if you'll be real, you'll be honest, and, 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 and you know in your heart, the Holy Spirit makes that clear to you. But if you don't know and you say, I want to know, just do this. Just right where you're sitting. Right where you're sitting. Say, I believe today. This story's true. That the gospel message that I've heard today is true. I believe that Jesus stepped out of heaven and came to this earth and got on a cross and died for my sins. I believe he was buried for me. I believe on the third day he was resurrected. I believe he's alive right now. And I confess you as Lord right now of my life. I ask you today to save me in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, you know what he did? You just crossed over from death to life. What, Pastor? Are you kidding me? Yeah, there was just a resurrection inside of you that right now life came into you and what was dead passed away. <clears throat> but Jesus said to do this. Jesus said to acknowledge me before men. He said, acknowledge me before men. That's what these that are getting in the water today, they're going to do. They're going to acknowledge God before men. They're going to just acknowledge that they've trusted in Jesus. You don't have to get baptized today if you make this decision. You can. We have extra clothes here and towels that we always have here today for someone who may trust in Jesus today and may want to get baptized. But regardless of that, I want to ask you this. If you made the decision, you prayed the prayer, and you know now, you know, I believe in my heart, and you want to do this, you want to acknowledge before men. He said if we do this, he'll acknowledge you before his Father in heaven. Jesus will do this for you. Literally, if you come to him and you acknowledge before others the decision that you've made, and we're going to have a lot of people who have made that choice this morning. Why not today join them? Why not do this, acknowledge him today?